That is the name of our summer series. Would you say ordinary people? Ordinary. Extraordinary Jesus. And this weekend, we're talking about uh, the joy of extraordinary Jesus. Let me just talk about joy briefly. Joy defined as an emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. There are hopefully lots of things in your life that bring you joy uh, that we experience uh, on a frequent basis. Uh, we just came back from a real joyful experience uh, as a family. Uh, back in October, my mom passed away and I inherited basically a third of the value of her house. And as we talked about what to do about that, side note, one of the benefits of uh, practicing the stewardship that I preach is that you have financial freedom when you're debt-free to do things that God might lay in your heart. So he laid things on my heart. I said, okay, Lord, you got to tell Joyce the same thing. And sure enough, I don't know where she said, you know what we should do with the money we inherited from your mom? So we both agreed that we're going to take $55,000 of it and give it to plant one of our ICBC churches in Africa. And then for the rest, we had just enough left over to take a nice trip, as mom liked to travel, to Ireland. So uh, that's how we spent our inheritance. Uh, and it was a joyful, you can clap, it was, it was fun. We had a great time and uh, took the family. And so uh, some of you have asked about it and I shared some in staff. So why don't you share it with us on the weekend? So here's a couple of shots of our trip. The first one shows how much Joyce does not like intercontinental flights. <laughs> and that was not posed. She was like that for a long time. But I got to get a picture of this. So uh, <laughs> uh, the next shot, if you haven't seen our grown up kids lately, Jonathan and Lauren and his wife, Monica, and the beautiful countryside of Ireland that's there. The next scene, there's lots of coastline that you'll see. Uh, and Joyce and I just posing there. The next one is the Cliffs of Moher, miles of just this amazing rocky cliff along the, the sea there. Uh, there's not a lot of beaches there that are sandy. There's a lot of rocky beaches. The next shot, again, Lauren just enjoying the, the countryside. It's so picturesque. And the thing about Ireland, and when you go to Europe as well, is that things are old there. You know, here, a house that's 100 years old or so is amazing. Uh, this next shot is uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin. It was built in 1191. That's a long time ago, all right? Almost 1,000 years ago. We, did, we went to a mass there. It was absolutely beautiful. The next one is called the Rock of Cashel, which is what they often call, call castles. That was built in 1250 A.D. And castles and ruins of castles pretty much dot the countryside. Here's a picture of a street in Ireland, in case you're curious. This is any small town, even Dublin in Ireland, looks like that. Uh, and before the next one, I want to kind of set it up. So we went on a tour, uh, which is definitely the way to go. We met some folks in the airport that were going to rent a car and drive around Ireland. And a dozen times at least, Joyce said, could you imagine driving around Ireland? First of all, you're on the wrong side of the road. The streets are so narrow. It, and literally, they would carve out the, the trees, the shrubs, so you could drive through there. I told the bus driver, I said, have you ever been to the United States? He goes, no. I said, if you did, you'd think you died and went to bus driver heaven. <laughs> I mean, he was literally a great driver, but he's driving several times. Branches are scraping the side of the bus. And uh, we'd have fought like mad if we'd have tried to drive that. <laughs> so tension galore. So just show up and whatever. Anyway, so one night, it was a free evening, and you could do an excursion for extra money or just hang out around town. So we decided to just hang out around town. And there are no chain restaurants. It's all pubs for dinner. So we went to a place called Knox's Pub. Had the best fish and chips, all right, ever. And so it, a little sign in the window said live music at 7.30. And so, so on all these buildings, they're like real narrow and real deep, all right? And so it wasn't 20 feet wide, maybe. And so we're sitting up at the front of the, of the pub, and our tables are here. And then there's like a bench and the window and then the 
door to come in. And so while we're eating dinner, this one guy is eating dinner. I notice he has a violin case. They go, he might be one of the musicians. So anyway, by the time we're over, 13 musicians, and I asked them, just, they don't even play it. just randomly show up, okay? 13 musicians show up and they start playing and it was amazing. And so here is a little bit of iron to you. So watch this. Six violins, two harmonicas, a banjo, the guy on the flute, I think he's from Spain, uh, the guy playing whatever drum that is, certain kind of drum, and, and then there's another guy playing a guitar to the right, and this guy with the little, like, miniature uh, accordion. He would start playing, then the whole band would dive in. They'd play for five or ten minutes, and they'd stop and drink some Guinness beers, and then they'd go at it again. So, uh, but just a really great time. We had a lot of fun, a lot of joy. And we also, well, that was a, a life highlight as far as a family trip goes. But that doesn't compare to the kinds of joys that await us in God's presence. And I want to talk about the extraordinary joy of an extraordinary Jesus. Now, Jesus said something that should make us perk up and go, whoa, what about that? Then what do I do about that? In John 15, 11, he said, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy, say my joy, may be in you and that your joy, say your joy, may be made full. That should make any believer in Christ, Bible to go, whoa, what did he just say? Because what he just said is a key to having joy. It's a key to having that, that great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good. So what is that? And when Jesus said it, that means something. I mean, think about who he is. Consider the source, we often say, okay? He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. The Bible says he was present at creation and he was there when, as God spoke the universe into existence. He was responsible for creating the solar systems and hummingbirds. God created puppies and baby laughter. And if puppies and baby laughter don't give you joy, you need prayer, all right? <laughs> I mean, God, and so if you have the app, you can follow along with us. But the first point is God and joy, absolutely. Now, I'm not disregarding a sense of reverence for when we were in St. Patrick's Cathedral. It was so reverent and the architecture was incredible. And it was a 25-voice, mostly a voice choir singing. Just, it was so reverent and hushed. But at the same time, there was a joyful, exuberant, celebratory dimension to who God is. And you look at 1 Chronicles 16, verse 27. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy, say strength and joy, are in his place. And hold that thought because strength and joy also are concepts that go together. Let's look at Psalm 1611. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is, say, fullness of joy. That was the most not joyful fullness of joy <laughs> all weekend long, all right? I want you to say fullness of smile and say fullness of joy with some passion. Joy. That was better, all right. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. And so if God is a God who is a joyful God, that's part of who he is, that's part of his nature, he cannot help but be joyful. Then likewise, his, we are his joyful followers. So put a big joyful smile on your face. Turn to your neighbor and just say, joyful follower. Joyful follower. <laughs> you look at Nehemiah 8, verse 10. Do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. There is something about joy that empowers us. In fact, when we are weak, discouraged, depressed, we have no joy. 
Now, the good news is joy is not just a response based on circumstance. We're going to come to that in a few verses. But joy and strength go together. Next thought, Proverbs 17, verse 22. A joyful heart is good medicine. Man, it is good for you just to laugh, just to smile, just to be joyful. There are times, I will confess, I will literally go on YouTube and, and search for baby laughter. By the time you see four or five of those little babies laughing, you can't help but laugh. Or cute puppies. I don't know, I'm a little corny, okay? But there's just, it's good for you, all right? And, and you know, go back to the series we did on mental health this past winter, okay? And you know where I'm going. <laughs> Therapeutic smiles for all. Everyone smile, toothy grin, show the teeth. <laughs> studies, psychological, medical studies show. Smile, come on. If they're not smiling, nudge them. Show that when you do this for 30 seconds, look at Dr. Seligman's studies, okay? Something happens. Keep smiling, come on. And your brain releases chemicals that are good for your body and good for your soul and lift your mood. Come on, smile. Joy is good medicine. Smile is a good medicine. Bible tells us so. And then we've got Psalm 95, verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing for joy. Say, sing for joy. Sing for joy. To the Lord. Let us shout joyfully. Say, shout joyfully. To the rock of our salvation. Now you get it. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully. There it is again. To him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. And he's a God of joy and wants you to be like him. Now, I don't know about you. There's a lot of times I don't feel like joy. Can I hear an amen? amen. Or an oh me, all right? Well, Paul in Philippians, if there is a mental health chapter in the Bible, it's Philippians 4. could be the whole book. Philippians 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. I said it time and again. You go back to the original language. That's in the dative place in the Greek. It is a command. It is a, I don't care, do it. Say, I don't care. I don't Rejoice. Rejoice. Paul said it. And so, and if joy is good for you, physically, emotionally, spiritually, it's just healthy. It's like good medicine. I, how many of us have taken medicine or supplements or vitamins in the past month? Can I see most of our hands? You take it because it's good for you. Well, guess what? Be joyful because it's good for you. Find a way to smile. Find something to laugh about. Find something to celebrate. Find something to lift you up because it's good for you. And you have a choice. I don't feel like it. All the more reason why you want to make that choice. And so let's look at what Jesus said that will improve your joy. And 11 verses is a big chunk to put on the screen. But I timed myself yesterday. I did it in 53 seconds. So we're going to get all 11 verses, all right? If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn there real quick. Uh, John chapter 15. Because this passage needs to have things underlined and words circled and whatever in the margins of your Bible. Because you need to go here a lot. Because we live in a joy-robbing world. Amen? 
There are circumstances and people and situations that will rob your joy tomorrow, if at all possible. And you need what Jesus said because the end of it, Jesus said, I've told you this so my joy can be in you and your joy can be. So let's look at what he said. There's some simple advice. All of us could probably use a little more joy. So listen to these verses and ask yourself, okay, where in this can I grow or improve? John 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples." Just as the Father has loved me, I've also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Now you've heard me say as recently as last week, the Bible repeats things for emphasis so you don't miss it. The Bible repeats things for emphasis so you don't miss it. In case you missed it, you want to know the key to joy? Abide, 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 abide. And you know what else is the key to joy? Bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit. You get those two down, whew, you can have a joyful life. Now, I'm going to delve into this analogy a little bit. And I am not an agricultural guy, and you'll know that very quickly. We grow our, uh, our produce at Kroger. Just a misnomer. That's just a disclaimer there, right? But when he talks about uh, my father is the vine dresser, he's the vine and we're the branches. When he says abide, first of all, that there's two groups of people, those who abide in Christ and those who don't. So which group are you in? And the word abide means to remain steadfast, remain faithful, and remain in submission. And some of you are not joyful we can solve it right there. Because the steadfast and faithfulness that's required of following Christ, you don't have it. You're not doing it. You allow your faith to be roller coaster faith. And when things are good, hallelujah, let's worship and I love Jesus. And when things are bad, where is God? He doesn't love me. And if you allow your faith to be roller coaster faith, all Satan has to do is give you a couple highs, a couple lows, you can't explain, and boom. There's no abiding. There are lots of days and lots of circumstances in life that feel like this to me, but I love Christ no less than when it's like this to me. Abiding is abiding. It is a faithfulness. God's faithful to you. Aren't you glad that when you wake up in a bad mood and you kind of act rotten all day, he doesn't go, I don't love her anymore. I don't know where his faith is. God's faithful to you when you're like this, right? Yes? Well, then why wouldn't we be faithful back? 
And, and one of the things we have to be careful of is that the Bible says our adversary, Satan, is the accuser of the brethren and the sisters, all right? And so he is really good at trying to get you to associate the ups and downs in life with whether God loves you or not and whether he's there or not. Oh, I'm so blessed. It's wonderful. Oh. Have you ever had this thought that another bad thing to do is to compare with other people? You want to lose your joy? Compare to other people. And, and did you ever compare, to, had this little thought, well, God doesn't answer my prayers like he answers their prayers, or God doesn't whatever like them. Did you ever feel like comparing yourself to other people and it tempts you to lose your joy, let's be honest? Man, Satan's good at that. Stop comparing. It's like when a loved one dies and I talk to the family, I, I try to advise them, all of you as loved ones are now getting on an emotional roller coaster and no one's ride is exactly the same. So if you're up, don't be upset that, you know, uncle whoever is down. Or when you're down, don't be mad that your, your brother's up. Now just, just let everybody go on that ride, all right? And, and it'll, it'll pan out in the end. Likewise, in life, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have blessings and heartaches. You're going to have, you know, wonderful victories and losses. Stay faithful to Christ because he's faithful to you. And the other aspect of abiding is being in submission. We're not crazy about the idea of submission. But, you know, the branch doesn't have a choice if it's part of the vine. It just is. And when it stops being part of the vine, the branch dies. So be faithful. Abide. He says it over and over and over. It is so important because all of us know here, here today, gone tomorrow, Christians. We all know them. People who used to follow, used to serve, and they're gone. Don't allow that to happen to you. And he'll be so faithful to you. All right. The next thing about bearing fruit, and Jesus talks about in detail, would you tell your neighbor, uh, look at somebody beside you, look at somebody across the, the room and just tell them, get pruned. <laughs> and I have to clarify for somebody, I'm not talking about dried plums, okay? The older you get, the more plums mean to you, okay? I'm not talking about that. <laughs> just thought of that now. I don't know where it is. <laughs> Pruning is not pleasant. I would imagine if I was a vine, a branch getting pruned, if you could hear branches when they're getting pruned, they'd be going, ow, 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 ow. We all have those ow experiences in life. We all have those times that something gets lopped off that we want to keep. There are times where things are dying and you, you lop that off. Okay, it wasn't going that good. Okay, it's gone. There, all of us have things that are no longer part of us or part of life, whether it's relationships, situations, possessions, circumstances that are no longer part of us. And here's the ironic sort of strange thing about that. Most of us, this one is me, I'll speak for myself. When I'm getting pruned, I, I'm praying for God to stop it and come against it in the name of Jesus. And I forget It'd be kind of like if I'm, it's like that little plant is me and I'm going, in the name of Jesus, put that. And, and, and the Heavenly Father's like, like he'd be going, um, no, I'm doing this. I'm cutting that off of you, Stan. Why would I put that back on? Some of the things that are no longer part of your life, God said you're done with it. And some of the pruning is just hard stuff you go through. Some of that, because pruning helps you bear fruit. And the kind of fruit we're talking about when it comes to pruning, uh, and, and again, if you want a, a, a joyful life, abide, get pruned, and say, bear fruit. Over and over again in this passage, Jesus said, you want a joyful life, bear fruit, bear more fruit, bear much fruit. And here's the kind of fruit he's talking about, all right? The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. There's inside fruit and fruit in other people's lives. That's the two kinds to bear. 
And you'll see why pruning is so important because the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, repeat after me. I'll read them, you repeat them. And as you repeat them, do a mental inventory. Which ones of these could I use more in my life? Which one of these are really luscious fruits right now in my life? Okay? Repeat after me. Love. Love. Joy. Joy. Peace. Peace. Patience. Patience. Kindness. Kindness. Goodness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Gentleness. Self-control. When I read those fruits, all of those come by pruning, come from difficulty. How many of you are more patient than you used to be? Can I see a hand? Did that just happen? No, you got your patience tested by idiots. And you get tested and you get tested, or by circumstance, you get tested and tested and tested. And so then you grow through that. Kindness. Joy, love. How many of us have people in our life that are hard to love? Don't look around, just raise your hand. <laughs> you know who helped you love better? The people that are hard to love. Pruning helps fruit grow in my life. Pruning brings about greater joy. I don't like it when it's happening. Self-control. How many of you ever lost self-control? You better be honest and raise your hand on this one. <laughs> it's a battle. Don't you wish God would just not let you misbehave? We get that one of the best things about heaven when you wake up, there'll be no more temptation to evil. All I can do is good or good. I can do good in heaven. But he allows that struggle to prune me, to help me bear more fruit. And then not only is there that fruit in me, but then there's that fruit I'm to bear in other people's lives. I'm to, to live a life that, that impacts other people in a positive way. Blessed to be a blessing. And he says in this, bearing fruit, abiding, he says, ask. Ask what you will and I'll do it. Now, John goes a little further in the gospel. In other places, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. And... And I had to grow up in my understanding of that because I've asked a lot of things in God's name, in Jesus' name, and I didn't get it. Anybody else in that ballpark? In Jesus' name, boom. I used to think that was like a credit card, like shoo. And so I did a deep dive into the original language and that ask in Jesus' name really is, is, is a dative of place. And so it's like when you are in the zone and, and one uh, commentator said, asking for things that Jesus himself would ask for. When my will is so lined up with his will, when I'm abiding in him, like a branch in a vine, I tend to start thinking like him. I tend to start reacting like him and feeling like him and asking like him. And when I'm at that place, Jesus said, it is going to happen. And in all that, we glorify God. And glorifying God, knowing that I am pleasing my heavenly Father is a source of joy. You moms, you dads, you remember when your little one would run up with you with, I don't know, maybe a handful of dandelions? Look, mommy, there's a sense of joy in that affirmation. When your son comes, hey, dad. I remember when Jonathan was this big, he always wanted to help me. Look, daddy, look, daddy. And there's, there's a sense of joy in being affirmed, knowing that we're pleasing our heavenly father. And Jesus said, live the kind of life that you know is going to please your heavenly father. And it'll create joy from inside of you. And on, on top of that, he says, as the father has loved me, which is incredible, I loved you.
Please smile at that. Jesus loves you. Think of who has loved you the best in your whole life. I don't know if it was a parent or a spouse or whatever. Just think of who has loved you, one of the best people that loved you on the planet. Okay? Makes you smile. Jesus, way better than that. That's how much he loves you. You don't have to earn it. You can't lose it. Nothing can separate you from it. Jesus loves you like that. And that is meant to put a smile on our face, a sense of joy. And another aspect of joy, in fact, that idea of, of Jesus loving you. How many of you grew up in the church like I did? Let me see your hand. Okay. We learned something as kids that we tended to forget or edit as we got older. All right. And so if you didn't grow up in church, um, I'll have you repeat after me as well. But all you church kids, repeat this truth that we learned that's meant to give us lifelong joy. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Somewhere along the line, we added Jesus loves me if I don't mess up. Jesus loves me if we qualify it all. No, Jesus loves you. And that love is meant to bring a sense of satisfaction and joy and motivation to want to abide in him, to want to bear much fruit, to want to grow through the pruning seasons so that I bring more glory to him. And wow, I can just rejoice in the Lord always. And again, choose to rejoice. And a final dimension of obedience that goes counterintuitive to our, our human nature, or of, of our joy rather, is, is being obedient. He said one of the keys to joy, my joy being in you and your joy being made full, do what I told you. Keep my commandments. So let me ask you, for some of you are here and there are areas of your life that you know are not consistent with God's word. And you're rationalizing it, you're defending it, you're explaining it. If you're disobedient to things in God's word, stop it. It's for your own good. Jesus said obedience brings joy. When we have that attaboy, girl sense from God about his word, what he wants us to do, how he wants us to live, there is great joy in us. I think far too many of us just get distracted by our culture and we chase the wrong stuff. And, and true joy comes, starts from within and it lines up with these things. Jesus says, abide, get pruned, bear fruit, and, and know how much you're loved. Choose to rejoice over and over again. And so as we close this service, there is a joy that we share with angels. I don't know what it's all going to be like when we get to heaven, but one thing we know we share with angels, Jesus said in Luke chapter 15, verse 10. He said, in the same way, I tell you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. How many of you are Christians? Let me see your hand. When you decide to follow Jesus, angels were high-fiving and said, whoa, she made it, she did it, he, he decided, woo, celebration. And so we decided it'd be great this weekend to go ahead and celebrate with people who decided to follow Jesus with baptism. And uh, I think this weekend, all three services combined were baptizing 20 people. And... And the Bible tells us, some of you might be from a perspective where infants, infants are baptized. We think baptism is something you do later in life after you consciously decide to follow Jesus. Paul in the book of Romans explains the symbolism of it. When a person goes into the water, it symbolizes being buried and dead to an old life of sin. When they come up out of the water, it's being raised to a new life in Christ for eternity. Jesus said to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So we do that. 
And uh, when they come up out of the water, if this is your first water baptism service at CLC, um, we celebrate and we cheer. And so uh, this service, we have a few people, uh, five that are getting baptized. And uh, there is a, a closing joy that we're going to conclude this service with. And the Bible says in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 16, Then David spoke to the chiefs of the Levites to appoint their relatives, the singers, with instruments of music, harps, lyres, loud-sounding cymbals to raise sounds of joy. So basically, David pulled the band together and all the singers, and they celebrated with joy. So we're going to celebrate with joy. And I need you to go with this because it was kind of my idea, and I hope you like it, all right? Um, but... There is a place for reverence and awesomeness and whatever. And there is a place for hilarity and joy. So this is more on the hilarity and joy side. So stand together with us. And the band is going to lead us in an amazing song that just gives you reason to smile and joy. And not only are we going to lift our voices, we're going to lift, it's summertime, beach balls. So who says it has to be just a rock concert, can't do a worship service. So while they're singing, while we're singing, there's going to be beach balls from the front, from the back, and your job is to keep them up in the air. If it falls on the ground, pick it up, boom. And when you're all done at the end of the song, don't stop until then. Um, you can bring them down front, and the youth are going to help us make sure the beach balls stay up. So lift your voices, lift the beach balls, let's celebrate joy.